Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome two very busy people, Noriko Ogawa and Paul Roberts, who are both professors of piano here at the school. Noriko and Paul are both performing in the upcoming Debussy series, Colours and Sound, which is a project they've been leading with postgraduate musicians. So welcome to you both. Paul, we'll start with you. Um, Many people will already know you're a Debussy specialist. Um, You wrote a biography of his life, which was published a few years ago, also a book specifically on his piano music. Can you tell us what brought about your interest in him and what particularly fascinates you about him? Um, The first part of the question is very easy. It was teenage discovery of the great orchestral tempo in the afternoon of the form, really. I, I just fell in love with that piece and I thought, this is an extraordinary composer and he's the composer for me. And uh, so I read about him, what, the age of 15, 16, 17, and I, I remember, in 1968, we're around that period, so that was a big anniversary, so we've got an anniversary now, 150 years of his birth, there's a big anniversary in 1968, which was something to do with his death, he died in 1980. So I was right in there when all that year, great scholarship came out, great performances, great concerts of Debussy, so I was immersed in that. That was in my first or second year at university, which it really, really consolidated. And, uh, and I've never looked back, really. And when I was a student, I thought, I not only want to play all this man's music on the piano, but I want to write a book about him. And it took me 20, 25 years to accomplish both those things, but I've accomplished them. So, And what it is about the music, well, I think Noriko can tell us about that too, but it's utterly extraordinary music, second to none. And in a way it teaches you how to play the piano, doesn't it? It's, you require a certain technique that you can then apply back to Chopin and Liszt and Bach and, and Beethoven. And so presumably you both think that's a really important thing for students to study because there are skills there that they will apply right across their repertoire. Um, so, is there anything you think they particularly learn from studying and performing his work? Are there kind of elements that you think are important as part of their conservatoire training? If I could just follow that before Noriko says anything, I think one of the m- most important things to say about Debussy in terms of conservatoire training is that I think what we're always trying to do is we're trying to broaden the teaching. We're trying to help them understand that there's more in the world than piano playing. Uh, And Debussy is the figure par excellence for a kind of cross-arts understanding of the world. He was himself steeped in symbolist poetry. He had an extraordinary visual imagination. And he brings this to bear on the creation of his music. His music is more inspired by poetry and painting than it is by other people's music. His music is extraordinarily individual. All right, it comes out of late Romanticism, comes out of Wagner, comes out of the Russians. Of course, there's a musical influence, but poetry and painting are fascinating background. And so Noriko and I are talking about that. We're introducing the music via its inspiration. So, Noriko, tell us about this particular project with postgraduate musicians that you and Paul have been working on. How did you both programme it? Were there specific key pieces of repertoire that you wanted to include and so on? 
Yes, we wanted students to play preludes anyway, and uh, so uh, Paul and I discussed which book should be played by the students and which book should be played by Paul. And uh, we've decided that the first book should be played by the students uh, and second book should be played by Paul in the concert. Um, so that was probably the main repertoire. And then we moved on to Estonne and Image and uh, some other pieces. Um, and uh, now all the students have been allocated with their project. So what they have to do is to practice, of course, and then look into the pieces, um, do a bit of research, discussion, perform in front of their friends during the classes, and then uh, go for the concert at the end. Okay, great. I think what we've, because we haven't had the time, uh, I think the, the repertoire we've missed out is largely the early stuff, isn't it? We are doing Sweet Beggar Mask, which those of you who know Debussy will know is a very early work. Um, because it's got the famous Claire de Lune in it. Mm. Uh, but a, a lot of the other early stuff we're not doing. So it's really the mature mainstream impressionist Debussy that we're working on. And Enrico, of course, is playing the great 12 studies in the last concert. Yes, which leads me on to say that you are both performing what we call faculty artist recitals as part of the series, um, which is where public students, staff can see you both perform and, in Paul's case, lecture on Debussy's work. So um, do you want to tell us what you'll be performing and introducing to the audience and, um, yeah, how you chose what to perform and lecture on? Well, I wanted to play talk studies, which are very challenging, but then my condition to play these in the musical here was I, I wanted Paul to uh, be with me and uh, to talk about the etudes because they are very different and they are very difficult not only technically but to understand what Debussy was writing about sort of thing you know every etude is different and then it takes all the uh, technical bits but then um, if you play all the Debussy repertoire chronologically you can actually understand why they are built that way but it's not easy just by listening for the first time so this would be um, a very unique uh, opportunity for the audience to hear not only to hear the etudes in one go but also to get to know them one by one uh, spoken by Paul so um, that's that's what I I wanted to play two etudes anyway but uh, it would be a really wonderful opportunity for me also. Probably Paul will tell me something new just before I play. <laughs> we, to tell you the truth, we Spring haven't quite worked out how that last concert is going to work. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about it yet. We will. But the idea is that, yes, I will talk, I will introduce briefly uh, the, the studies and Noriko will play them. But whether... I talk in between each one, I don't know. Noriko, I think, is rather inclined to think that she'd like me to do that, but I'm resisting that and saying, well, I think maybe you should do them in groups. So we... Interesting. We'll see what transpires out of this argument. As far as my concert goes, um, yes, we've tried to organise the recitals broadly chronologically, so you will feel when you come to Noriko's, which is the last one, that we've arrived at the studies. And it is an extraordinary experience because, as Noriko says, the studies are remarkably different from anything else. But we haven't quite achieved that because I'm beginning the series of four concerts with the second book of Preludes, which are really pretty late. So we're beginning with late, ending with late, and then the middle two concerts are broadly chronological. 
and just a, a bit of human interest here. I'm also playing Children's Corner in my recital, and the only reason I'm performing it, I love it, and I'm very pleased to be performing it, but I'd actually missed it out of the programme. I'd forgotten about it, <laughs> and I'd allocated all the pieces, and then I looked and thought, oh my goodness, who is going to play Children's Corner? And I thought, oh, I know what, I won't ask anyone, I'll do it myself. So I was very pleased to be able to do that. So it's a bonus piece. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're both hugely busy people with diaries full of teaching, recording, performing, writing. How do you balance that and where, does your, where do you see your Guildhall teaching fitting in with your, the rest of your working life? Because Enrico, you've literally just flown in from Japan this afternoon. So how do you balance that? I don't know, I think. <laughs> I think no idea. From day to day, really. <laughs> Just trying to cope with everything. But um, um, meeting with um, young musicians, young pianists, uh, they, they are very terribly important for me as well. And uh, because, you know, the, uh, when I hear them, I always discover something new. And then I hear myself telling those students what I, what I should be hearing myself. So it's, um, it's not just a one-way system. You know, I think that's exactly right. I think it's contact with students. I, I, they keep us going. Uh, somehow you realise that that's really what you're doing, is you're teaching students. And you, you give your own concerts and you write your books and you do this and that. But somehow, that, if you didn't have the students as backup as the sort of the, the centre of what you do all around you. It's not really the centre, but it's sort of just, it's all around you. It's part of the whole package. And I think you would be immensely impoverished without that contact. I think that's a tremendously important It's aspect. a kind of richer, more complete life as a musician, maybe. Yeah, I, I think there's a kind of a responsibility and there's a kind of sense in which when you're teaching something, you're really learning about it yourself, and it's wonderful. I mean, these young people are, oh, every young person that I've ever come across are so extraordinarily attentive and willing and uh, eager. Yes, uh, and also that uh, there is probably a little sense of duty in us as well, that you know, the things, the knowledge and technique that we've got, we carry in our bodies, I think those things should be passed down to young people. Yeah. It would be, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, um, I mean, it's amazing for the students to meet Paul in person. The book will live on for a long, long time, but just you actually to meet Paul mm. in flesh and then ask all the questions and get, you know, get into depth and then how he actually interprets his Debussy at the piano. To see it in a, in a small classroom, in the same piano with you, that's, that's quite an extraordinary experience and that, that that's how we pass down our knowledge I think don't you think yeah absolutely and of course I say exactly the same about Noriko I mean the huge privilege that the students have to be with her and being taught by her in these classes and and our collaboration too mm. I mean we've collaborated once before in Manchester we did something for uh, a big series that Noriko had there at Bridgewater Hall and that was really a lovely experience, wasn't mm. it? And, yes. Um, I, I, Noriko played and I gave some lectures. And, so you've uh, been there before. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, this is a, a kind of follow-on from that and Mark Two really, mm. collaboration Mark Two, which is going to be even better because we've done it before and we know how to do it now together. Mm. The much closer collaboration this time because we actually work at the same time. At Bridgewater Hall, the, the, you know, the uh, Paul gave a lecture and then I played and it was a little bit separate. But here now we are working on the same students in the same classroom together 
and we will be watching those young young ones playing, and then we will be working at the same concert. So that's 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 going to be very exciting. The origin of this is rather interesting, actually. I did a big list project about two years ago with postgraduate students, and I think one of Noriko's students played in the project, and she came to the final concert. Uh, or came to a lecture that I was giving in the series or something. And, um, and she came straight up to me afterwards and said, let's do something together. I like this idea, I like the way these projects uh, are m more than, the, they're about more than piano music. And I think that's essential. We don't know why we're playing the piano, for goodness sake. We don't know why we get up in the morning, really. And I, I think this kind of uh, project provides that opportunity and, and the students respond hugely to that. Yeah, it's an incredible opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, uh, pianists, well, our lives can be very solitude and we practice in, the same, in, in one room and nobody would hear you always just through the wall and then your teacher will teach you in one room, one to one and you meet your friends in a canteen or on the street but you don't know how you play each other. And then now suddenly, working on the same project, and then you're on the spot, you have to play to your friends. Uh, you know, in half an hour, the, the students will come into the studio and they will have to play t to each other. And then you can actually get to know each other much better that way. And then also you have to reveal what you are to your friends. And that's a very unique opportunity for any pianist, any, any country, I think. So um, in that respect, uh, I'm quite confident that this would be a wonderful uh, experience for each student. And in a way, I wish I had been a student, you know, the, the one of them. The, I mean, I wish I had been taught that way, but uh, in my days it was not possible. Yeah, things have moved on, I suppose. Um, well, that's fabulous. Um, before you go, um, give us a little insight into what else you're working on at the moment, what else you're doing this academic year. So you've been in Japan, Noriko. Can you tell us what you've been doing over there? Um, well, last night I played a piano concerto called Ampere, um, written by a Japanese young composer called Dai Fujikura. And um, I performed it in London three years ago, and uh, this was the first time after that. Terribly difficult concerto, but... Uh, very interesting and then I enjoyed playing it much more this time so um, so that's what I've just done and have you got lots of concerts this year are you flying all over the world or yes but I'm not going to go much further than Tokyo anymore <laughs> <laughs> and how about you Paul I've just uh, recorded a disc of Ravel and Liszt because I've just published a book on Ravel's piano music and I wanted a, a CD to go with it. I haven't yet heard the CD. I haven't even heard the takes yet. I, I've heard nothing, so <laughs> I'm biting my fingernails about <laughs> where, what it's like. Um, and this academic year at the Guild Hall, I'm embarking on another list project. I've now just been appointed an Associate Research Fellow, which is a lovely name to have. Uh, uh, with the task, it's a two-year post, with the task of writing, I hope they don't expect me to complete it, but maybe completing <laughs> a book on the piano music of Liszt, which is inspired by literature. So at the moment, my working title is Liszt and Literature. I hope I can come up with something slightly more inspiring than that. 
so that will be wheeled out, rolled out to students probably next term actually, spring and summer terms, I'll start to work with a group of students on things like the Petrarch sonnets, great set of pieces by Liszt inspired by poetry. So that's my future work here. Fabulous. Well, thank you both so much for, for talking to me and well done, Rico, for flying in from Japan and being here within an hour. Um, we're very much looking forward to Colours and Sound, um, the upcoming Debussy series, um, which takes place um, from October 31st in the school. Um, the faculty artist recitals are on sale in the box office now. Um, thank you very much for talking to us. Great, thank you. Thanks.